Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. I'm really uh, excited about the message that you're about to receive. I'm not going to say the message you're about to hear because I want you to receive it, not just hear it. There's a difference. Uh, this is a moment we've been preparing for for many months. This isn't just a talk on some conveyor belt. We really feel a fire in our bones around uh, this message. I'm, I'm excited for, for, for two reasons. The first is the theme. We are going to look together at uh, the critical issue of discipleship. How, how do we grow in our own discipleship, our following of Jesus, our becoming like Jesus, and how do we disciple others? And if you're new to church, you might be like, that's a bit of a random word, but let me just be really clear. Christianity gets super complicated, and before you know it, people end up with weird pointy hats and all, all sorts of strange stuff, but it's actually at its heart really simple. Uh, Jesus Matthew 28 said, you know, go into all the world. This is a word to every single one of you. If you think, what would Jesus be saying to me if he was sitting opposite me? He'd probably be saying this, go into all the world and make disciples. It's, 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 a, it's a commandment. And so the question we all have to ask is, well, who am I discipling? And then if we're really honest, some of us will be like, I can give you like six names and others will be saying, oh, I don't know. I don't really know who I'm discipling. And some of us might be really honest and say, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And so what we're going to give you today is um, uh, really the beginning of a tool that is super usable, that is proven to work, that is going to help each of us to grow in our discipleship and to make disciples. So that this time next year, you have people sitting next to you in church who've, who've come to know Jesus and are growing in their faith because of what is about to be launched here. Okay, And so we're excited about this. And although I joke about this post-apocalyptic landscape, just look at it a second. This is actually a picture of what many people's lives feels like. Sam and I sat, sat yet last night with a couple, praying with a couple where they're young and he's got a terminal diagnosis. Short of a miracle, it's not long. And I can't tell you what a difference it made as we prayed with them, and wept with them to know Jesus, to, be, to believe in eternity with Jesus, to believe in a God who can do miracles of healing, but also, even if they don't happen this life, to have the greatest hope of all, which is the next. Imagine that the majority of people that you work with and know don't have that hope. There you've got a picture of it. It's pretty bleak. We're time bombs waiting to go wrong. All of our health will go wrong eventually. And there's not a lot of hope. And so we long, for, don't we, for our friends to come to know Jesus to know the beauty of a relationship with him. And so I'm excited because this tool is going to help us to do that. The other reason I'm excited is because of who is speaking uh, this morning. Sam and I dropped in on the Aldershot congregation this morning uh, where Matt Davis is preaching on this same message. 
incredible buzz in the room there. I just... I, I just felt like God spoke to me. That, you know, the church in Aldershot's going to be a thousand people before we know it. I could just see it this morning. It's just going to explode. Watch what's going to happen there. But, but and and the same message is being preached in Woking. It'll be preached in evening service. If you haven't been along to the evening service recently. My goodness, the buzz in there is crazy. So, just this is something we're rolling out across the whole site. But we're kind of lucky in Guildford, and for those of you watching online. Um, because um, the, the person who's speaking today is the person who's really developed and carried this message um, all around the world and happens to be a part of this church. Uh, we absolutely love having David and Louise Yegnazar as part of this church. And I want to say this, I really mean this, it is an honour to have them at the heart of this church. Uh, David's dad started as Iranian and started a ministry in Iran um, called Elam. And that is serving the church in Iran, many of its leaders in and out of prison for their faith. And uh, many Iranians had to flee to Turkey and other countries. So it's ministering all around the world uh, to uh, the, the, you know, the, the Persian people. And, uh, um, you know... It is now proven that the church in Iran is the fastest growing church in the world. In the world, it's the fastest growing. And uh, probably one of the primary sort of apostolic resources to serve that church is Elam. And David is the CEO. He runs that organization. And he and Louise are elders in this church. It's just an incredible honor to have that connection with uh, the fastest growing church in the world. And right, you're going to hear about this, but right at the heart of that uh, um, thing they're doing, with, you know, I'm sure talk about it, TV resources and all sorts of things, leadership development is the tool that you're going to hear about today. And this is where I'm going to finish. Um, I'm sick and tired of the arrogance and independence that says we've got to develop everything ourselves. I think sometimes, especially in the West, we need to blooming well humble ourselves and say, what have we got to learn from other people who are doing things better than us? And when I meet with Iranian church leaders who've been in and out of jail for their faith and, and see the price they're paying, I, I just think we need some of this in leafy Guildford. And so um, we do not apologize for a second. It's a little bit of an unusual word so far. You're going to find out what that means. Uh, but we are deliberately saying if, if the Spirit of God is moving like that in the Iranian church, and if one of the key resources to that move of the Spirit is kind of rooted in the relationships around this church, we ought to just like wake up, smell the coffee and say, please, can we learn from you, grow from you and take from you something? So today we are going to begin to just share with you a resource that will help each of us to be disciple makers that is taken from the church in Iran where it is working uh, in the most sort of exponential way. And we believe that this talk is the beginning of an inflection point. And one day we'll look back and remember the pregnancy years where it was just a few hundred of us in a few venues around the area. And we will say, 
God's spirit came and did something that swept thousands into the kingdom. And I believe that this tool could be if we respond wholeheartedly that for us. And I believe we've got the best person in the world today to introduce that tool to us. So we love David and Louise. No pressure on them. We love their four kids. Uh, who I hope was helping lead worship this morning, who are part of this church. We love that when you get Iranians, you get like hundreds of families. We love all the different like uncles and aunts and cousins that are now part of this church. And so uh, we don't normally do this. Some of you won't like this. But I want to ask you in a second to um, welcome David. He will hate this, but with a, uh, if you would like to do so with a standing ovation, and I'll tell you why, it's because he represents leaders who are paying an unbelievable price for Jesus today. And I believe it's high time that we just said we want to give honour where it's honoured. We spend too much time obsessed with American pastors with perfect teeth who do podcasts. <laughs> They've hardly suffered half these people. I want us to honour someone who represents those who are unknown but are quietly pointed. So if you want to, let's stand. David Yegnazar. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. That is the most undeserved introduction I've ever heard. Uh, But I do know many, many, many wonderful leaders and people who have served the Lord with all their heart, with all their passion. And I hope, I do pray that um, a little bit of what God has been doing there will catch fire here today. Don't wait for it. Wait, receive it today. So I want to talk to you about this whole idea of being disciples, making disciples. I'm going to read a few verses from Matthew chapter 4, 18 to 20, and then Matthew 28, 19. Many of you will know those words. Many of you may be new. So I'm just going to read it and uh, we'll pray. And this is when Jesus called the first disciples. It says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. He, Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and uh, Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And then Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Let's just pray. Lord, I pray that you would bless this word. I pray that you would come, that we would not just be hearers, but we would uh, hear what your spirit is saying and we would become doers, Lord. I pray that you would help us to be disciples and help us to make disciples. I pray that you would come by your spirit, you would breathe uh, your spirit on this church, on us, Lord. And and some of the things that Pete said about this church multiplying and growing, Lord, would come to pass as we take to heart and resolve to put into practice what we hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. So are you ready for an encouraging story? 
from the church in Iran. So uh, this is a story about a young Iranian girl called Sarah. She was about 20, in her mid-twenties when she came to Christ about two years ago. And uh, uh, her, she was discipled, she grew in her faith. And about a year after, her um, pastors came to her, a small church. Her pastors came to her. They'd heard about a new believer in, a, in another city many, many hours away. Uh, but they'd heard about this new believer, another sort of girl in her mid-twenties. And they said to uh, Sarah, her, her, this new believer, her name is Anita. And they asked Sarah, would you be willing to help her learn what it means to be a disciple? So Sarah said, yes, I will. And so uh, um, Sarah agreed. She connected. She began to use this tool that we're introducing to you today called Safar with Anita. And very soon she realized that Anita's father was a senior figure in the police of that city in the south of Iran who mixed with government officials. And so Sarah hesitated. Uh, But then she decided that she'd continue. And she did help Anita grow in her faith. And she encouraged her to witness. And then sometime later, Anita called Sarah and said, my mother has come to Christ. And that was wonderful news. So Sarah arranged for somebody else to disciple Anita's mother. Um, the, the father found out he was not very happy, but she, the mother, just really fell in love with Jesus and wanted other people to know. So she kept telling people she led her son, Anita's brother, to Christ and his wife. And uh, they were excited. The father thought they were mad. He was angry. He, he said, you're mad. He was wondering what he should do. But Privately, he was noticing the change in their lives. And so, uh, uh, Sarah, uh, sorry, Anita, the mother, the brother, and the wife, they joined, because they had no church in their local city, they joined Sarah's church online. And so, <clears throat> they were enjoying that. And then one day, her father, the father joined the service. And he said, I will never become a Christian. Famous last words, right? Don't you love it when, <laughs> when we challenge God? That's why some of us pray, I will never go on mission to Hawaii. Um, <laughs> he said, I will never become a Christian. I just want to know what is this nonsense that you guys are involved with? That day, the service on the Zoom was so powerful. By the end, he was on his knees, repenting in tears, giving his life to Jesus. And there was a party in their home. They were so excited. They began to see God moving in their lives. They began to see change happening. And then um, they they were so excited that they began to continue to go to the church. The policeman became a friend of the pastor. He became a disciple of Jesus. A couple of weeks later, he said to the pastor, I want to get rid of all my Islamic ritual and prayer stuff from the home. And he did that. Two weeks later... He called the pastor and he said, we couldn't hold it in anymore. We've driven six hours to see some family because we had to tell them what Jesus has done in our lives. We've been talking to them all day and they're sitting with me right here in the living room. They're all ready to give their lives to Jesus. Will you help me pray for them? And that, whole, that day, the whole family there gave their lives to Jesus. Praise God. I love that story because it starts with an ordinary Christian, a young Christian, one year old in her faith, who was willing to help disciple 
another Christian. I love the fact that a whole family that otherwise would never have heard the gospel have not only been transformed, but they're worshiping Jesus there, seeing the power of God in their lives. And it happened because a young Christian, an ordinary Christian, was willing to disciple someone else. The gospel is wonderful. The gospel is powerful. And Jesus is alive. And when we help another Christian, another person, be his disciple and put into practice what he teaches, then there will be powerful, amazing things that happen. Um, and as we've been thinking about rolling out this uh, Safar discipleship tool here at Emmaus, I've, over the last few months, I've, whenever I've been here, I've been looking around and seeing so much potential in this room. And I want you to get that today. I want you to understand that there is so much potential right here in this room. Sometimes we underestimate what God can do in us and through us. Uh, maybe we think, well, you know, let's not underestimate what God can do if we reach and we disciple just one person. Maybe we won't see the kind of impact that Sarah saw with the whole family's come to Christ, maybe we will. Maybe it won't be that. But I can tell you this. I'm absolutely convinced that if we help one person truly follow Jesus as a disciple, it will have a major impact in their lives and the people around them. But often, I think, if we're honest, we just don't think that God's really going to use us. We just think that we're too broken, we're too... Weak, we're too, we just don't know enough. And even if we do something, it's not going to be something significant that God does through us. It's, surely it's the pastors that God is going to use to grow his church. It's the Pete Greggs and the Bills and the Jills. The Bills and the Jills. <laughs> For sure, God uses leaders and pastors. But their main job is to equip you to do the work. To get the job done. And I think that's one reason the church in Iran is growing so fast. Is because everybody sees that they're part of this great story that God is writing. And so I want to say to you. You are the plan. God's plan to build the church is through you. It's through Sarah. And look around the room. Just have a look around. How many Sarahs. How many people like that are in this room. That God wants to use in powerful ways you are the plan but the the question is the challenge is that discipleship is is one of those things that's easier to talk about than to actually do actually I was talking about this last night and uh, around the dinner table just after dinner and I was talking with Louise and Beata who's 11 years old and she said yep discipleship easier said than done 11 years old <laughs> We understand that we should be disciples and we should do discipleship, but what exactly is it? What exactly is it? How do we become disciples? How in the world do we make disciples? And so I'd like to do a couple of more things this morning, which is first give a hopefully a helpful summary of what a disciple really is, and then introduce us to this tool called Sapphire so that today you get familiar with it and actually today from today you can go out and start using this tool so 
First of all, hopefully a helpful summary of what a disciple is. And obviously we've been doing this series on becoming. That's the whole reason, just to get us thinking and hopefully putting into practice some of these things. But we read the verse in Matthew chapter 4 where Jesus said, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. First of all, follow me. The word disciple really means apprentice or a learner. And you've heard that in the last few weeks. The sense is very much that to follow Jesus is to be an apprentice to Jesus. To be somebody who watches him, who follows him, observes how he does things, observes how he talks, observes how he interacts with people, and crucially to put into practice what he says. To do the things that he does. To mimic him, to live his way. To follow him is to be like Jesus, to be and to, uh, to do the things that he does. So firstly, follow me. And then secondly, the second part of that, I will make you. I will make you. As we follow him, he forms us. He shapes us. He builds us. He makes us into something new. We hold grudges. He changes. He changes us. He makes us into people who forgive. We're self-absorbed. He forms us into people who serve. We live with fear. He builds courage in us. The whole process of discipleship is changing us. It's not just giving us information about what to believe. It's about making us into something new. So first, follow me. Then I will make you. There's this forming. And then thirdly, fishers of men. The word there is really men and women. It's the word for mankind. So the fishers of people. As Jesus forms us and makes us, he gives us a new purpose. He gives us a new mission. He gives us something to live for far beyond ourselves. It's about others. Often we get discipleship mixed up with this strange idea that somehow it means that if we grow in faith, God will bless our lives and the plans that we have for ourselves. Right? Did you hear that? Sometimes we get discipleship mixed up with this strange idea that if somehow we muster up more faith and belief in God that he's somehow going to bless the plans that we have for ourselves. That's not the case. I'm sorry. That's just not the case. Disciples join the mission of the one that they're following. They, his passion becomes their passion. His desire becomes their desire. His goal becomes their goal. And his passion is people. And he says, I will make you into fishers of men. Disciples follow. They shape their apprentices. They learn. They are formed and they join the mission of Jesus. That's the call to discipleship. 
And so today, I want to encourage you to respond to this amazing call, this invitation from Jesus. Can you imagine an invitation from Jesus Christ, the one through whom all things were made, is calling you to be his disciple. I want to encourage you to do it afresh. For the, if it's not for the first time, do it afresh. If it's for the first time, decide to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And like Peter and Andrew in that story, leave everything behind to follow him. Following Jesus is the best decision you can ever make. It's the best thing you can ever do. When it comes to discipleship, often we think, you know, if there's a series on discipleship of a church, you think, oh, they're going to ask me to self-deny, to deny myself. and I'm going to have to do obedience and I'm going to do all this stuff and I'm not going to get to do the things that I want to do. Yes, we do deny ourselves when we follow him, when we allow him to shape us and give us new passion and mission. But look at what you gain. It's in losing your life that you gain abundant life. When some of Jesus' teaching became a little challenging, some of the people who were following him in the Bible began to, to walk away. And so Jesus looked at the 12 apostles, the disciples. He said, what about you? And do you know what Peter said? To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He is the good shepherd. He is the door. He is the light of the world. He's the truth and the life. He is the, uh, he is the prince of peace. He's the name above every name. He's full of grace and truth. His invitation is to freedom. His invitation is to those who are weary and heavy laden. His invitation is to life and life to the full. So where else would you go? This is the greatest call on your life that you can ever respond to. Following Jesus is the best decision you can ever make. And it's true for other people. And that's why Jesus' command to us to go and make disciples. Whatever mess they're in, wherever they're from, whatever they've done, whatever their background, whatever situation they're in, the best thing that you can do for them is to help them learn to love and follow Jesus. So following Jesus is the best decision we can make for ourselves. And it's also the most loving, the kindest, the best way to serve others. So just think about that for yourself now. Is that something you want to respond to yourself? Say, I really, Lord, I want this discipleship journey that I'm on to be reignited, the fire to come again. But I also want to be part of helping others find their relationship with you and to grow in you. But the question really is how? How do we actually do that? It's, as Beata said, easier said than done, right? And so often... Uh, we, we, we don't lack motivation, right? We, we want to do this, but we lack a method. We don't know quite how to do it. We, know, we, don't, we lack the know-how. And so uh, the reality is that most of us Christians, even if we've been Christians for a long time, have no idea how to disciple somebody else. I remember I was, uh, a few years ago, uh, Louise and I lived in America for a while. We, um, we met this a friend, a guy who is still a very good friend, but at the time he was quite a new believer. He said, David, can you help me grow in my faith? I said, yeah, that sounds great. So we met at a Starbucks. I went there with my Bible, sat down, ordered whatever it was, opened the Bible, and I thought, what do I do? 
I mean, actually, how do you actually disciple somebody? So I talked about grace that day. And then we said, all right, let's meet next week. And next week I thought, oh, what do I say now? And, and it fizzled out after two or three weeks. Because I didn't really know how to do this. So today we want to introduce you to this very simple tool called Safar. So you can say the word Safar. The English way of saying it is Safar. Can you say Safar? We can let you say Safar, but in, in Farsi it's Safar. And um, it provides, all it is, it provides you with a very clear method to be able to disciple another Christian. A, a clear way for you to help somebody else grow in their faith and their discipleship to Jesus. Okay? So when we first developed this, uh, we did it for the church in Iran because we wanted people not just to come to faith, but we wanted them to get rooted. We wanted them to, to grow in their knowledge of the word of God and prayer so that when the challenges of life come, when the cares of the world appear, they would remain. There would be perseverance. There would be ability to keep going. So, and we believe very much that the early days of a new believer's life, we, we talk about the first hundred days. It's not a magic number, but the, the point is those early days are so important in a new Christian's life. And we want to form them. We want to really walk alongside them. Our goal was that every single Christian would have somebody to walk with them as they uh, start this journey of faith. Actually, as, <clears throat> as, as we launched this, as we were about to launch it, I had an experience that really confirmed this idea that we want every Christian to have somebody to walk alongside them. I went to Turkey, where I was able to speak at a church, an Iranian church. There was a new pastor there. He'd been there six months or so. The church had gone from about 40, 50 people to 160 people in about eight months. Just the way it was, people were coming. He was a very inexperienced pastor. And before that, he told, before the service, he told me, I'm exhausted. I can't keep up with the work. And uh, anyway, so we... We spoke, 15 people came forward to, to give their lives to Christ. It's just the way it is, the Iranians are hungry. This one man came forward and he was standing there and I said to him, uh, what can I pray for you? He looked at me, this community of refugees. He said, I've been alone for five years. Will you give me a hug? Can you imagine that? I've never had that situation. I've been alone for five years. Will you give me a hug? So I embraced him. And he just let himself go on my shoulder, wept. My shoulder was wet. And uh, I prayed for him, gave his life to Christ. I got in the car and I was leaving. Never to, I haven't been back to that city. And I thought, what's going to happen to him? Somebody needs to walk with that man. Who's going to be the one to just help him, to help him grow, to help him learn what it means to pray? And I was so excited that we were launching this tool called Safar. And I was even more excited a year later to, know, to hear that somebody had actually used the tool to help him grow. Because the pastor couldn't do it, can't do everything. So, Safar is the tool that Sarah and Anita used in that first story I told it is just a simple tool to help one Christian disciple somebody else. Now, let me say this before I explain a little bit more about it. Safar is not a silver bullet. Using Safar does not guarantee you will become like the Apostle Paul. Not even Pete Gregg or to pray like Jill. 
But what it does do is it gives you a clear on-ramp for discipleship, a clear way to get started. It gives every member of the church an opportunity to get involved. And when we all get engaged, the more of us who get engaged, the more of us that we're going to see God do things. We're going to see growth. The more of us that actually start discipling and being discipled, the more fruit we're going to see. So take five minutes just to introduce this, uh, this tool. So safar means journey. In Persian, the word safar means journey. Uh, it's actually where the English word safari comes from, if you're interested in that kind of thing. Safar is a one-to-one discipleship journey to help a new or younger believer walk and live the ways of Jesus. Usually someone a little further down the journey, further down the path, helping somebody newer in faith learn to walk with Jesus. It's we men disciple men, women disciple women. And Safar guides you through 30 steps. I think the steps will come up on the screen. There are three legs to the journey. I don't know if you, hopefully you can see some of those. Three legs to the journey, 10 steps in each leg. The first step, uh, first leg is walk with God. Second leg is live free. And the third leg, stand strong. And you can have a look at some of the steps there. Um, and, and usually when people look at that, they think, oh yeah, I'd like that. I, want, I, need to, I need to refresh her on that subject. And yeah, you can take pictures. In a minute, I'm going to give you the link to the, to the site and you can have it all completely for free. Um, in creating Safar, we gave careful thought to the process of discipleship, recognizing that discipleship doesn't happen when we just pass on information. Discipleship happens in a context of relationship. And so the whole idea is designed around building relationship, getting people, digging into the word of God and prayer, and actually putting into practice every step has a main idea that we focus on, build relationship around their great questions, there's great discussion, it's time to read the Bible, to pray, but especially to think about how are we going to actually put this into practice. Safar is not meant to be a class, it's about building relationship, shared experience as you follow Jesus together. Um, and you can go through the steps in any way, there's no set Thing. You could do it over a meal at home, in a coffee shop, on a walk. You can do it online. You can do it uh, in a lunch break at work. However, whatever ways, mix it up. It's supposed to be a fun journey. And another great thing is that it's simple, it's clear, it's easy to use. And it's, as I said, it's completely free and you'll have the link to the website. In fact, I think there's a um, QR code that we could show. Uh, and if you want to, and that's the, you can access it through Emmaus Road. I'm going to give you a minute, pull out your phones, have a look, play around with the website. If you get, that's going to take you to safar.org through the Emmaus Road website. I'd like you to do it through the Emmaus Road website. So if you get to the page, can you get to the page? Yeah. Uh, scroll down under the, under the video. It says find out more and that will take you to the website, to Safar. Um, and uh, right there, you have access to all the steps. Um, there's just a, there's really no training that's needed. There's a very quick um, how-to-use guide that'll take you a couple of minutes to read. And really, all you need to do to get started is to find somebody to do this with 
and go for it. So have a look at it. You can navigate the website. Are most of you actually on the Sapphire website? Okay, so you can see the 30 steps there, and then it's a, it's a really, we've got an amazing team that have, um, have designed it, and, and people love it. So, a few more thoughts, and then I'm going to close. One of the highlights for me over the last few years, we launched this four years ago with the Iranians, and thousands of people are using it. So one of the privileges, and I literally get text messages almost every day with testimonies from Iran, from Afghanistan, because it's the same language. In fact, it's been translated into Dari, um, and actually it's been translated to other languages. We heard last week that somebody's translated it into Thai in Bangkok, and then it's gone to a village in the north of Thailand, and so we're excited about that. But I get to hear many, many stories um, and then we've also tested it out here at Emea. So there's quite a few couple, uh, so pairs of people have used it and we've got great feedback. So that's why we felt it's right to launch it out here. So I've loved hearing how much people enjoy the process. One of my favorite stories was from a guy called Karim in Kabul. Everybody say Karim in Kabul. This was... Uh, about a month after the Taliban came back, just a few months ago, he'd come to Christ and somebody in Turkey was discipling him. And this guy Ali in Turkey had called him and after a few minutes their phone got disconnected. Ali tried him again, didn't work. So Ali thought, well, well that's, that's it for today. 45 minutes later, he gets a call from Karim. Karim is out of breath. <laughs> And so Ali's worried. He says, is everything all right? You know, the Taliban's just come back. He's thinking maybe he's being chased down. He said, no, I'm sorry. The electricity in my area has been out for a while. My phone ran out of charge. I've been running through the streets of Kabul to find somewhere to charge my phone. Can we continue the discipleship process? Can you imagine running through the streets of Kabul to be discipled? I love that. One of the pairs that did it here at Emmaus Road, um, one of them was going on holiday. So the other said, oh, well, we'll carry on when you get back. And, the, and she said, no, 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 let's, I don't want to miss the step. So they went on holiday. The holiday home was too small. And, so, and there was too many people there. So the girl, um, she, she went into the toilet, locked the room, got her computer out and said, all right, I'm ready. And she did the safari step from holiday in the toilet. Just because she was enjoying the journey so much, she didn't want to lose it. I love that. It's a beautiful, it's an enjoyable, when you build relationship and follow Jesus together, it's life-giving. And so um, that's one thing that's so wonderful. Another thing is just hearing how people really start wanting to share Jesus with others. And that's part of discipleship, being challenged, being given the tools, being given a way to do it with somebody else to share the, the gospel. And even those who think they will never have the courage to do it. One of my other favorite stories is a, is a girl called Mahur. Elham was the girl who was discipling her. Mahur was a student at a university in Iran called, uh, in a city called Yazd. Yazd is also one of the most fanatical cities in Iran. So Mahur had come to Christ. Elham was discipling her. Mahur was from a village an hour away from Yazd, lived with her parents, would go into town to, to university. And Mahur told Elham, look, I don't want my family to know I'm a Christian. My parents will kill me. My family will make my life miserable. So we only talk while I'm at university. 
And whenever they would meet, she would talk very quietly because she was afraid. She didn't want anyone to hear. So early in the, in the journey of Safar, there's a, there's a step called, it's good news, tell others. So Elham was thinking, oh, no, this is not going to work. Um, maybe I should just skip this step. You know, it's just... But she said, I'll just do it. Let's see what happens. So they went through the step. A week later, Mahur says, guess what? I led my brother to Christ. A week later, she led her sister to Christ. Within six weeks, she'd led six members of her family to Christ. And the six weeks, she said, I've told my parents, they didn't come to Christ, but they said we can use their house as a house church. Isn't that wonderful? That's what happens when you actually just intentionally disciple somebody and don't say, oh, well, they're never going to be formed. Well, if you don't try, they will never be formed. If you never shape them, they will not be shaped. But here she is now, an evangelist in Iran who no one would ever have thought this young girl would be a house church planter. But there she is. I've loved the transformation it would bring. My friend Amir Hussein discipled a guy online, actually, who was a refugee in Serbia. So he started the journey, and very soon he discovered that, and the guy's name is Abu Zar, he's given permission to tell the story. He said that uh, as they went along the journey, Abu Zar one, one day told Amir Hussein, he said, uh, Abu Zar is now about 40 years old. He said, I have four older brothers when I was young. Four of them abused me, physically, sexually. And there's a step on forgiveness. And Amir Hussein felt out of his depth and said, okay, let's just pray. And he, he prayed with him. And Abu Zar forgave his, brother, his brothers. And then sometime later, Abu Zar says, I've shared the gospel with my brothers. And two of them came to Christ. And what's even more amazing, Abu Zar is discipling two of his brothers that at one point abused him. And those two brothers have led their families to Christ. This is transformation. This is the gospel at work in a family, bringing life where there's death, bringing life where there's landscape looks like that, bringing color, bringing hope, bringing peace, bringing love, bringing joy. I love that. And so what are we asking you to do. I said at the beginning to look around and to see the potential in this room. To see what God can do through you. Look around again. Imagine what would happen if each one of us just discipled, invested in one person. What would God do in us or through us in the community and beyond? Last week, Pete had a picture. If you remember, you were here. He said he saw Jesus walking down, up and down the, the aisles handing out golden keys. I was sat there and I thought, you know, so often we think those keys are for us. God has given me a key to unlock some great glory in my life. But maybe he's giving you a key to unlock and to bless other people, to call them into everything they're called to be, to call them to do everything they're called to do. Maybe those golden keys are a key in your hand to do something for somebody else. So those of you who are further along the journey, I want to encourage you to think about who you might invest in, who you might journey with. I want to, you know, there are older 
fathers and mothers here. Maybe there are some newer parents that you can walk alongside. Maybe there are students here. You have a passion for Jesus and you can walk alongside some other students who would, uh, you want them to learn what it means to really be a disciple. They're businessmen and women who you can, you can disciple those newer in the faith in your community so that they can shine for Jesus in the marketplace. It's, we sense this is a time for us to really take this whole issue of discipleship seriously. Build a culture within the church, not just from the front, but within the church itself. You are the church. So our question is this. Would you start a discipleship journey? Would you pray about starting a discipleship journey? Start a journey. How do you do it? Very simple. Find someone to journey with, get started and commit to the journey, and then get others to cheer you along. That's it. Find somebody. So you may already have somebody in your mind as I'm talking. You think, oh, I know I could do this with. Um, Go and ask them. Um, If you don't know who you want to do it with, then talk to your collective leader. Talk to your town pastor. Bill's here. Talk to other leaders Uh, in the church um, let us know there's an email address up there if you don't know anybody if you're here for the first time we've even set up an email address safar at emmausroad.com you can say I'm ready to help disciple somebody else or you may be saying "I, I just never had anyone invest in me I just want somebody to help me in my journey so let's just start that conversation find somebody to journey with and then set up a time to get together that's it just We've all done that before, so it's not complicated. Set up a time to meet with somebody. Go to the website. On the website, on the homepage of Safar, there's a button that says start. Click that and you go to step one. That easy. So we've tried to make it as simple for you to start. So all you have to do is find someone, get going, but then do it in community. Get others to cheer you along. We don't want this to be just you know, two people on their own. Get others to pray for you. Get your collective to pray for you. Get your pastors to pray for you. Share your prayer requests along the journey. It's not all going to be, you know, you'll, you'll experience things together. You'll find out people need prayer or people need breakthrough. Get people to join and cheer you along in the journey. So, last thought. When we rolled this out, a few years ago for the Iranian church, I remember I stood before about 80, 90 church pastors. I said, guys, I have no idea if this is going to work. I really don't. I didn't. Um, we hadn't even finished all the steps yet, actually. We, we, we got about seven or eight of them started. I thought, let's just launch it and we're going to have to finish it. If they start using it, we're going to have to write the rest of them. So I said, I don't know if this is going to work, but let's try it. Because if it works... If it actually mobilizes the church, then something is going to happen. We'll hear of the stories. And now today we are hearing the stories. My prayer and my hope is if, guys, let's just try it. Let's just give it a go. Let's just say, all right, I'll do this. Just even if you can't commit to 30 steps, there's three legs. Decide to finish just the first leg, 10 steps, and see what God will do. Let's see how God will begin to mobilize. Maybe you don't have somebody younger. Maybe you've just got a friend that you think, okay, let's just do this together. I'd say do it. Learn how to use the tool so that when God gives you a new believer, you know exactly what to do with them from day one, how to get them rooted in the word of God. So our goal, our prayer, our prayer as a church, Emmaus, the whole of Emmaus, we, want to pr- we were praying that we'll start 
at least 50 journeys by wildfires. 50 journeys by wildfires. So that's at the end of May. Um, we may exceed that much sooner. I think we probably will. Um, but let's just start with that. And let's see what God will do. Amen? Let's see what God will do as we invest in one other believer. So I want to close in prayer, then I'm going to hand over to Pete. Just give you a few moments here as I pray. And as I pray, just think, Lord, give me somebody to disciple me or to help me disciple. Commit yourself again to this whole idea of being a disciple, somebody who follows Jesus Somebody who's formed and shaped by Jesus. Somebody who joins his mission. If, you, if you're somebody here who's saying, I really need somebody to help me on my journey. Just ask God, God, show me that person. Give me that person. And then come to us. If you're that person today, if you're actually today deciding for the first time you want to be a disciple, please let us know. We want to start walking alongside you so you can have this joy of walking with Jesus. So I'm going to pray and hand over to Pete. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the immense potential here, Lord. Thank you for the calling you have on people. And so I ask, Lord, that you would uh, help us to respond to this amazing invitation to follow you, Lord. You who are the light of the world. You are the one with the words of eternal life. And so, Lord, we look to you. We want to respond to your invitation. We thank you. We thank you for the great privilege and joy of knowing you, Lord Jesus. We acknowledge that the best decision, the best thing we can ever do is follow you, Lord. Thank you that in losing our life, we gain so much more. Thank you that you call us, Lord, to join your great story, Lord. Help us play a part in it, Lord. We want to follow you wholeheartedly. Thank you that you call us, you include us in what you want to do. Help us to play our part. In Jesus' name, amen.